You're listening to a podcast from the Cinema Geekly Podcast Network. We're the geeks you deserve and the ones you need right now. Brand new episode of I'm a Doctor, not a podcast, Cinema Geekly Star Trek podcast. Chief Petty Officer Anthony Lewis with you once again, along with the Fleet Admiral Ben Knight. Ben, how are you doing in winterly, uh, just snowing ass England? How was it over there? Bloomin' cold is what it is. You guys still um, say bloomin'? Is that a thing still? Uh, I did just then. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's chuffing freezing. That's what it is. <laughs> um. Yeah, it's 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 not great. We had three days where it looked like spring was here, and um, idiotic people put shorts on and, mm. and put put jumpers away in the back of wardrobes. And then, can't do that. Yeah, it turned out it was it was a cunning ruse. Yeah, uh, and so now everyone is freezing their nuds off. Yeah, Mother Nature, totally, totally one for the games like that. It's the same thing here. It's really yeah. it was really I shouldn't say really warm yesterday, but it was kind of warm and then we got freezing rain and the temperatures are supposed to go back down mm-hmm. uh into like the the teens so yeah. uh oh hey uh <laughs> science officer as well lieutenant commander aurora bubble and so used to there there being somebody caught in a in a time loop or being held <laughs> captive by an alien species but we're all back together again this week aurora how are you doing yes i am well well well, well. i have the flu but i we're good so you were mentally Report well. sick by after this show, please. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you were mentally well, but you may need a hypo spray before we are done. Yes. Yes. Uh, medical bay after this. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> we're going to talk yes. about uh, Star Trek Discovery Season 2, Episode 8, called If Memory Serves. Uh, Aurora, before you joined in on the call, before we even started recording, Ben and I were uh, sort of a little bit talking about offhandedly about Doctor Who and how on the uh, the Doctor Who podcast, Ben tends to go into a little more uh, criticism of Doctor Who, uh, like in-depth criticism, mm-hmm. uh, than we do with Star Trek. And that actually uh, triggered something in my mind about okay. the beginning of, not necessarily about criticism, but the beginning of this show, which reminded me a lot of Peter Capaldi's last episode as the Doctor when they sort of did this previously on Doctor Who and mm-hmm. they show you uh, like footage from an old episode mm-hmm. of Doctor Who and they did that here with this episode. They did like a previously on Star Trek and then they essentially recapped the cage for everyone. Yeah. Uh, reminding everybody about Pike and Spock on 
uh, Talos, and they're running into the Talosians and Vina and uh, giving everybody kind of like this uh, reminder that the Talosians can create uh, um, illusions with their minds, things like that. Mm-hmm. It was neat, but also pretty jarring, too, because <laughs> yeah. they, they do this really cool shot of... The contrast, the contrast was, yeah. The, yeah, they do this shot of TOS Pike, and then they mm-hmm. cut... They cut to, uh, like, Anson Mount's Pike, and it's, like, a cool shot transition, because they're, like, in the same position or whatever, but it's so jarring. <laughs> it's... I will say this. As a, as a criticism, when Doctor Who did this, they went from the original Doctor to, obviously, a different actor playing the original Doctor, but he looks so much like the original Doctor... Oh, he really does, yeah. That mm-hmm. it... It wasn't very jarring, and when if they used anything from the original Doctor, the original run of Doctor Who, which they did for a little bit, they basically rebuilt the same sets. So it didn't look jarring. They didn't set the, they didn't make pretend that the original Doctor's TARDIS looks like something that was made in twenty eighteen or twenty seventeen right. or whatever. They kept the original look, which is something that made it even more jarring here because they showed just TOS stuff. Uh, the uniforms, the bad scenery, the um, bad visual effects, all of that stuff. And then it was so jarring with this sleek, almost Hollywood studio production level, you know, modern day design and visual effects. It's so jarring. Yeah, I was thinking about, you know, I, we, I saw that flashback and I was thinking about, you know, that there's an episode. I can't remember what episode it is, but there's an episode in TOS where they have a dog dressing like a fur. Yes, like, that's the uh, that's costume, the one where... it's like an alien dog. Yes, I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but it's the I'm Captain Kirk episode. Yeah. There's, there's I, an evil Kirk. And I saw that and I was like, wouldn't it be amazing if Star Trek Discovery <laughs> just recreated that? That would be amazing. But like with visual <laughs> effects. So it's yes. from Alpha 177. Um, <laughs> if I, was, that, was that the name of the... What's the dog called? Alpha one seven seven. I can't. I can't remember. Oh, I don't yeah, know. there we go. I found him. Yeah, it's on memory alpha. Uh, so if you're trying to picture it, imagine like those hilarious, like um, lion manes you can attach to your <laughs> Labrador <laughs> dog. Yes. But then for some inexplicable yes. reason, add a horn to the center of its head. <laughs> yeah, like a unicorn. And you've got yourself. Yeah. Then you've got alpha one seven seven canine. Yes. <laughs> but the best thing was that the the, the, dog, the face of that dog in that episode was my favorite. He was like, I cannot believe this. <laughs> yeah. They are not paying me enough. <laughs> By oh, the way. Wow, he looks, well, yeah, he looks really angry. There's a photograph of uh, Spock holding him, and that is one pissed off looking dog. <laughs> By the way, Ben, what wow. was the name of that dog breed again? Could you imagine a, a young child asking their, their mother or father for this type of dog? <laughs> what, for an Alpha 177? Yeah. <laughs> Mommy, Daddy, can we go to the pet store and get an Alpha 177 dog? Where are they from? Well, Alpha 177, obviously. Yes. <laughs> it's a planet of those dogs. Um, all right, so let's talk about what happened uh, in this episode. Uh, bad news, everybody. Uh, on the uh, On the Section 31 ship, which I don't think has a name, right? They just have the call uh, sign, like NCIS or something. Uh, mm-hmm. Something. I don't know what their call sign is. 
I think it's something like that. It's like NCI. NCFS SUDS. Oh, fuck it. No, I've got it. <laughs> SUV. Yeah. Yeah. NTSF. Yeah. BASF. Peter um, Max. I don't know what it's called. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, uh, on that ship, Leland is talking to a bunch of admirals from Starfleet. And bad news Michael Burnham has once again been deemed a mutineer. So now she's in a lot of trouble as well. Uh, Pike, uh, on the other hand, is like, yeah, we should go after them. But he has a sit down with his new best buddy, uh, Ash Tyler. Because, you know, the shuttle trips, they have a bonding effect. And they sit down over drinks. And he kind of gives him the, you know, I'm not going to ignore my, uh, I'm not going to ignore a crisis involving my officers type thing. And ultimately, I think Tyler sort of convinces him that, um, it would be bad to draw attention if they start searching uh, for them at the moment. Uh, on Talos, this is like the A story. Uh, well, they, they get to Talos, and uh, as soon as they drop out of warp, there's a black hole there uh, instead mm-hmm. of a planet. And uh, Spock, he's still kind of crazy. He seemed really crazy at first, like, well, oh, let's just fly into this black hole. But, uh, of course... I completely forgot somehow, even though they recapped it at the very beginning of this episode, <laughs> that Telosians uh, create illusions. And as soon as it like, as soon as you went like full throttle into it, I'm like, oh, wait, it's not really there. Uh, and of course, it disappeared. They land on Talos, uh, where they run into Vina. Of course, she's still hanging out and recognizes Spock. And she's not really sure why he's there, though. Uh, but she takes Spock and Michael to the. Telosians, and uh, they run them through some tests, you know, take some blood, uh, put one of those heart monitor thingies on. They eventually, they figure out what's wrong with Spock. Apparently, Mm -hmm. for him, time is acting as a a fluid instead of a linear construct, and that doesn't really... I hate it when that happens. Yeah, especially (laughs) if you have a vigorously trained logical mind, it really doesn't work. It's a a bad headache, is what you're getting. Mm. Uh, it's what's worse. The only thing that's worse is when time acts as a gas. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and you accidentally inhale it. Yeah. Uh, it gets right to the back of the throat. Yep. Never good. It, your throat ages more rapidly than the rest of your body. It's mm-hmm. horrible. Uh, so the Telosians, they're willing to help, but at a price. Why they have this particular price? I don't know. The Telosians, weird curves they they want michael to reveal the memory of their childhood estrangement uh, essentially the wound do. that she afflicted on spock uh, i don't know why they're just like we'll help but what? show me what tore you two apart let me see there was it. a convers- well there's a conversation on twitter about why that was because it is it's a it is a pretty valid question and the like the vast like huge majority of the answers were it's just because they're creepy <laughs> Everything we know about them is they're creepy. That fair is enough. true. That is true. They I are very creepy. I just accept that. I think that's absolutely right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, inside Spock's mind, uh, Michael sees Spock's first vision of the Red Angel from childhood, uh, where it warns Spock about Michael's death. You see, Michael ran away from home one night, and a big spider monster thing, which everybody knows is on Vulcan. We've heard Vulcans talking about it forever. Uh, so. Everybody, nobody was surprised when they saw this giant weird spider thing come out from the ground and chase Michael. Uh, it kills her, 
uh, in the vision that the Red Angel provides to Spock, Spock tells her uh, Sarek and Amanda, and this ultimately proves to save uh, Michael's life. Uh, apparently, she was to die if not for this Red Angel. He's changed history. Or she, depending on who it is, of course. Uh, so, yeah, another memory with this whole Red Angel thing. Uh, Spock gets approached again by it later in life and mind melds with it and is shown a vision of the Federation being wiped out by squiddy ships, very similar looking to the probe. Uh, that tried to kill them and also took over Arium's body uh, in last week's episode. So none of this is looking good. Uh, also, we get to see what happens to Spock in the psych ward. Turns out he didn't kill anybody. He uh, beat them up, maybe give them a, a nerve pinch or two, but no one is dead. Spock murdered mm -hmm. nobody. Uh, so... This uh, Talosian-assisted memory trip thing works, and Spock is back to himself. Uh, he talks about, uh, he confirms that the Red Angel is some sort of time-traveling human who is warning of a possible future, but of course there's still a lot of mystery uh, surrounding this, uh, of course. Uh, oh, uh, hey... Also, the Talosians still didn't get that thing they wanted. You know, they want those gory details about why they're so estranged. So you can't mm. leave yet. Vina warns Michael that you don't want them to force payment. It's awful. Uh, so she's like, all right, fine. They go back into Spock's memory. And the night that Michael ran away, that she was supposed to be killed by the spider thingy, uh, we learned that Spock actually became quite attached to Michael which is a little bit of the opposite that we were shown at the beginning of the season, where it seemed like Spock was a bit of a dick to her. Uh, mm -hmm. In fact, Spock sort of grows attached to her and probably sees this as an outlet for his human side. Uh, but Michael, who wants to run away from all of this, uh, doesn't want Spock to follow her, so she says a bunch of awful things to him, ending it by calling him a weird little half-breed. Uh, so I guess that left a mark on Spock. Uh, and they, their relationship hasn't been the same ever since. Uh, oh, hey, meanwhile, in the B-plot, uh, we've got Stamets and Culber. Stamets desperately trying to uh, rearrange their life into some sense of normalcy, but Hugh is having none of it. Nothing is the same for him. Uh, he sees Ash in the corridors a few times, and decides maybe if he meets Ash Tyler and beats the shit out of him, that perhaps uh, he'll feel better. But he kind of doesn't. Uh, in fact, he kind of tires himself out and confesses to Ash that he doesn't know who he is anymore. And Ash is essentially saying to him, welcome to the club. Uh, so this kind of ends sadly with uh, Hugh sort of telling Stamets that he's not himself anymore. The person he loved, that person's dead. Maybe they should just split up. Not good. Uh, mm -hmm. Also, uh, Pike gets uh, approached via Talosian illusionary tactics by Vina. Uh, they had some really interesting scenes together, but most of this is sort of just 
her letting him know that they need to come rescue Michael and Spock in Section 31. Uh, they're going to come and take them, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, they all meet up, and uh, Pike tries to beam Spock and Michael aboard. But the Section 31 ship is doing the same. Apparently, you can't have two ships trying to beam two people up at the same time from the same spot. It could rip them apart. Uh, so Pike... Seems, of, seems legit, really, doesn't it? Yes. <laughs> uh, Vina kind of whispers in his ear to let him go. Uh, so he does. And the Section 31 ship beams Michael and Spock aboard. But it is not Michael and Spock. It is a, another Telosian illusion. Giorgio, not impressed by this. She's like, they tried that with us in my universe, and we just bombed them to death. Uh, yep. <laughs> she's like, yep. we didn't put up with it. We killed them all. Uh, and real Michael and real Spock come back via shuttlecraft, and they're like, we got to run, and run they do. The end. Ben, what did you think of this episode? Um, I, I enjoyed it. It was... Um... It was it was quite a nice story driven episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, all of the nostalgia um, sort of stuff, the callbacks were were all there, and I guess you know, well, there's only so much you can do with it without constantly reminding yourself that obviously the episode that was based on was um, uh, the cage with all of its aesthetic problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the I tell you what, we were talking about the kind of the sort of difficulty the jarring nature of seeing um old pike new pike and i agree although actually i i hadn't seen just how similar they do look until then yeah they kind um, of do look mm-hmm. pretty similar yeah but now i've seen um i was, I was looking at because I, I don't feel at all put out by spock there are some facets of his character which seem odd to me watching it now but then of course that's because up until um recently we've only met sort of juvenile Spock once before Discovery mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we've only met sort of this age of Spock now um, yeah. and we know that he changes over time and in fact if you look at the Spock that he is at the start of the original series and compare, to the, compare him to the last time um, that time learns version of him appears in the movies he's changed an awful lot then too cool. I'm talking about his character rather than just the aesthetic mm-hmm. but if you put the photographs of the three actors side by side, because um, I'm including Quinto in this, mm-hmm. um, you can kind of put them in an order that you think, yeah, do you know what? I can buy that that's the yeah. same guy. Yeah. Um, so I didn't feel that it it really took me out of it that much. Yeah, um, very similar facial features. His voice is quite a bit deeper, I thought. Yes. The um but, but I suppose it's good that he's not doing an impression as yeah, well, because that would yeah. be too creepy. Um, so in terms of the episode itself, in terms of the, the plot side of it, I mean, <laughs> we really learned very little in this episode. Uh, yeah. We sure did. We we learned yeah. why there is a rift between Michael and Spock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and we know that there's just a human in a red suit. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and we know that it's trying to apparently stop this obliteration, uh, this apparent obliteration of the... Because I think they show the destruction of Earth and Vulcan and like Andoria, maybe or or Tellar, yeah. perhaps. Uh, yeah. The 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 core Federation planets is what it shows the destruction of. So somebody from the future is trying to stop this, and mm-hmm. who that person is, 
and what exactly is happening, that's still a mystery. So we did learn tidbits. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of this was, you know, they did a lot of nice uh, nostalgia type stuff. Like they did a lot of the similar sound effects on Talos from mm-hmm. the from the original Cage pilot. They had the the singing flowers, <laughs> although they looked completely different <laughs> from the you know the plastic jingling plants <laughs> yeah. from the yeah. original series. But that's that's one line of dialogue. I know it was there for for the joke, but um, when uh, uh, but name completely gone out of my brain. The Empress. Um, oh, Giorgio. Giorgio, thank you. I don't know why I pulled a mental blank man. Uh, when Giorgio makes that crack about, you know, yeah, we kill them all and and their stupid singing plants. Yeah, I kind of thought that'd be a really <laughs> weird thing for you to reference. Um, she really hated those things, I guess. Yeah, it's like if someone was describing wiping out Earth. Yeah, we killed all of those humans. And some bulrushes. All of those wasps. Wasps yeah. are such dicks. They deserve it. I mean, to be fair, they are. Yeah, yeah. I would, I would be okay with them singling them out. But um, yes, yeah, so that was weird. I quite like the fact that they're doing the storyline with, um, uh, with Hugh and um, Stamets. Yeah. Although I'm still baffled by the fact that Hugh still does not appear to be in any sort of therapy. No. Uh, well, this is before they had about... counsel- this is before they had counselors on ships, Ben. Yeah, maybe he's the reason why they eventually did. <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> um, I quite like the sass from uh, Saru uh, in the conversation with Pike in the lift. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah, I mean, the, it was enjoyable. And given that there was kind of very little content, yeah. um, I I found the whole thing an entertaining process. I didn't get bored in this episode, which has happened once this season. Um and I, I think the only thing I would have liked to have chosen, uh, changed a bit, in fact, two things. One is because of the kind of weird mashup of, um, well, it wasn't even a mashup, was it, of old Star Trek um, and very, very new Star Trek. Mm-hmm. I, one thing I would have really quite enjoyed, uh, tell me if I'm imagining it, this episode had, I would say, a solid 25% more lens flare in it than any previous episode of Discovery. Mm. It did feel like and there I, was some more lens flare mm-hmm. in this, yeah. Yeah, and I, I know they're trying to sort of, unless they're about to, you know, nudge us uh, in a way that suggests that there's going to be a crossover with the Kelvin timeline here. Mm-hmm. Um, I, if if this is just an aesthetic choice, I don't like it. Yeah, lens flare, um, to my knowledge, is it either serves as an aesthetic choice, like J.J. Abrams just loves how lens flares look. Mm. Um, but I'm also I've also heard a few times that lens flares are useful in covering up not quite perfected. CGI. Oh, I'm sure that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, like, there's a an excellent uh, example of this is uh, if anyone is familiar with the Battlestar Galactica remake, mm-hmm. uh, they did a uh, in an attempt to do a, do a backdoor pilot for something called Blood and Chrome. They wanted to turn this into like a show that was like a prequel to the reboot of Battlestar Galactica, and they kind of did like one TV movie as like a backdoor pilot and never got picked up. Uh, that thing is just chuck full of lens flares, uh, mm-hmm. especially on all CGI sets uh, that they yeah. that they tried to do. So maybe that's what was happening here because I did notice there was a lot more of it, and you know they've got to balance the budget out somewhere. So maybe they're like, well, we can't go full tilt on this, so let's just chuck in a couple lens flares, and it'll blind people from the 
not quite finished background mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I, I, I hope well, it's not well, an aesthetic choice. Yeah, let's see if that develops. Um, the fight between uh, Hugh and um, Klingon Fandango uh, was fun. Yeah. Interesting. New, new Saru's like, yeah, but I haven't fight it out. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that's kind of very like well being aware. Uh, because, He's just like, like oh, saying, this has to happen, guys. Let's just here's your murderer. You should keep probably bumping into him. And when you do, we'll just let you guys have a fight. That's fine. Yeah. Um, or maybe I kind of maybe... wanted him to be like, fight, fight, fight. But... Yeah. <laughs> Saru's in the background taking bets. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think on balance it was it was a solid episode, uh, mm-hmm. and it did a really good job of covering up the fact that there wasn't a great deal there. Yeah, mm-hmm. Aurora, what about you? Um, yeah, I agree. I I think it was a good episode. I agree that you know we didn't learn a lot uh, in this episode, but I I feel like it was more there for nostalgia, um, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I did like there's a scene where Stamets brings Hugh his favorite dish. And it's mm. asopao. Yep. That is my favorite dish. What? <laughs> yes. <laughs> huh. It's an amazing rice soup in uh, Hispanic households. Yeah, well, that is Wilson, delicious. Wilson Cruz is uh, Puerto Rican, right? So... Yes. Yes. I Every time I go to Puerto Rico, I have my mom make me one because it's great. So I like that little detail. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. Yeah, like that's a little slice of authenticity. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, go ahead. But now I have a theory about the Red Angel, and I want to see what you guys think. Okay. I mean, it's I, wide open at this point. I feel that the Red Angel might be Burnham from the future. Like future Michael. Yeah. I think huh. it's one of the bridge crew. It's either Burnham or it's Pike, is my view. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's not far off. Yeah, because the fact that he's targeting Spock, it has to be someone that's close to Spock. Mm. Does um, this get? No, I can't. I don't think it can get. I don't like. Could this get tied to that short track where the discoveries in the future? But it was like a. It sat mm. there for like a thousand years, though, right? Like I don't think we're going that mm-hmm. far into the future. No. But I mean, this suit, whatever this is. This is like really future. This is like far beyond right. next gen or Deep Space Nine or Voyager mm-hmm. technology. So, how Michael or Pike get their hands on it, that'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't and know. Whose technology is it? Yeah, that's another thing. Like, is, is this like Federation technology from the distant, distant future? Is this something else? Mm-hmm. Uh, Ben sitting it still there feels saying, like it probably ought to be Iconian. I was, gonna, I was just about to yeah, say I Ben know. sitting there thinking Iconians. Um, yeah, it's got. It, I mean, it'll be something. It'll be interesting to see if it ends up being like a, oh wow, didn't see that coming, or oh that was it. Yeah, uh, I, the, the reason why I I thought about this is because there's a scene where when um, Burnham is inside Spock's mind mm-hmm. and the red the red angel comes in and. It grabs Spock's head and says something to it, but then it turns to Michael. You remember mm-hmm. that? Yes. Um, and I saw that, and you could see the reflection of Michael in the Red Angel, and I was like, "Hmm." Oh, like foreshadowing. Yeah. That's yeah. a really good point. Huh. I think you might have nailed that. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see if that's the case and how they explain all of that. Yeah. Um, it might be a way that they could answer my only big problem with this episode, perhaps even. Uh, 
which is I and I feel like you guys felt about this episode. I liked it for the most part. Uh, there was one big thing that sort of stuck out to me. Uh, it's the one big thing we learned in this episode, which is the why there's a rift between Michael and Spock. Uh, mm-hmm. She she called him a name. Yeah, but that's kind like she was a child, and she yeah. called him a name, and he was a child. Like I get why that might sit with you a little bit, but like tear you apart, especially a logical Vulcan might mm-hmm. realize that she was just a kid and maybe she was just trying to keep me from running away with her because I was attached to her. But no, this like, I mean, if this is all it, but it is, was his link to his, it was a part of his link to his humanity though, wasn't it? That is, so maybe that, that's why it mm-hmm. hit deeper. That is true, but it's not like Spock hasn't ended up ultimately exploring his humanity later mm. in Star Trek. Uh, either. Wait, hang on. You know your thing about it being Burnham? Mm-hmm. If they ever want to write her out of Spock's knowledge or... Because um, he, he never references her again to the best of our right. knowledge. Right, and I can't believe that this is the reason why he never mentions her again to anybody. Well, no. Well, that's what no, I was no. thinking. That can't be the reason, which means no. I wonder at some point if Discovery ends by Burnham using this technology to write herself out of history. Right. Maybe. Hmm. Yep. That would be interesting. Yeah, because I agree. I doubt that it's because of that little fight they had. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there's an episode where Kirk calls Spock a half-breed. I mean, granted, Spock yeah. is under uh, an alien spore thing that makes him really happy. And apparently yeah. Kirk doesn't want him to be happy. <laughs> so he needs to make him really mad. And he calls him a half-breed. And Spock mm-hmm. forgave him for that. So, uh, yeah. I, I will say this. I loved that scene, though, where they're showing the the thing that caused the rift. Them going back and forth between child and adult versions of them saying the things mm-hmm. to each other, I thought was excellent. It was yeah. brilliantly shot, yeah. 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 Uh, that was excellent. I loved the, the black hole visual effects were fantastic. I thought mm-hmm. that was really cool. Uh, I liked a lot of this whole going back to Talos 4. I liked the thing with Vina and Pike like when he first sees her he does so much acting without saying anything at first like he's yeah. startled at first but then when he realizes who it is like oh he was excellent because um, mm-hmm. yeah. you've got to that's got to be there he wants to go back to her in a in like a decade uh, when he's crippled and put into that wheelchair and can, can only communicate with beeps because uh, apparently <laughs> yeah. technology really regresses between where it is now and in the next 10 years. Yep. <laughs> we went from talking holograms to a wheelchair we can only communicate with beeps. <laughs> seems, seems Stephen Hawking's like, sorry, what happened? Yes. <laughs> He's like, Stephen Hawking could talk through a computer in the 90s, everybody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Here you are just beeping, beeping. You're talking with Morse code, essentially. <laughs> It's a a 23rd century. Crazy. Uh, But yeah, I liked liked most of that. Uh, A lot of this stuff was was good. As I said before, it was jarring. I'm still still not sure whether I think the previously on Star Trek thing was a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, Although, well, there is a reason for it, though, because if you think about it, without that previously on Star Trek, in order to... There's a lot of stuff referenced in this episode that nobody yeah. would get if they yeah. did not know. This episode would make zero sense to somebody who had not seen or didn't at least know that they were you know, referencing something yeah. from where they went. So that summary um, 
I don't think it was even a summary as such. I think it was just a look, go look up this episode, but mm-hmm. here's generally what it was about. So I, I think it had to be there. I suspect it might even have been a network decision to say, look, you're going to have to put that in there because otherwise this yeah. episode does not make any sense to new discovery viewers. And yeah. there are some new discovery viewers, you know, I think, yeah. I think they had a tough call here to make because you're right. They did have to put that information in because otherwise yeah. people would be lost. I'm sitting here thinking as you're talking about that, I'm like, could they have reshot those scenes with like the modern <laughs> stuff? You'd have a whole new group of people mad. Yeah. Like that's not the well, case. I'm just rewriting say, history. They'll say you would piss the entire budget up the wall in about, you know, four minutes. Wouldn't you? Yeah. 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 yeah you would. Um, and, and then you'd have a lot of people call, saying that they're rewriting history and they're erasing, even though they're not, but they'd say mm. that they are, um, mm-hmm. uh, so you, you can't really do that. But then you're sitting where I'm sitting where, like, I liked it. Like, I thought it was a really smart idea and novel. And it was kind of neat just to see it. Uh, and they did some really cool transitions between the scenes. Uh, I thought that was all really neat. Uh, but then, on the other hand, it's also incredibly jarring because they're so vastly different looking. It's one of those things yeah. where you have to all of a sudden pretend... You have to break the illusion that you're not getting lost into the story anymore. You're like, oh, well, that's what the show looked like in the 60s. And now it looks like this in 2019, which I don't think are thoughts you want to be having when you're trying to get into the story. You don't want to be thinking about like I think about the acting and the production and I think about all of that stuff after it's done. But mm-hmm. I I try really hard to not think about those things while I'm watching it because, you know, it kind of ruins the story if you're thinking about like oh i wonder how they did that uh mm-hmm. in the middle of the story like i try to think about those things afterwards and just get lost in the story so i don't know in, in some ways like they definitely had to do it and i think it was also smart but in other ways it also felt really strange it just felt like completely different completely different things not in the same universe at all yeah. uh so, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, so I'm, I'm really torn. I like it, but also I don't like it. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not. I also have, like, like, you know, I don't know how to feel about Spock, young Spock being there. Mm-hmm. Um, but then at the same time, I was thinking, you know, the amount of pressure this actor has to have to yeah. play yeah. a character like Spock. You know, it mm-hmm. has to be so difficult, especially with it, so many people just angry about this. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I, I, I'm, I'm giving him a chance <laughs> yes. just because of that That's reason. Fair. Yeah. Um, I do. You know, I did like the say goodnight uh, gag. Say goodbye, Spock. Goodbye, mm-hmm. Spock. And of course he did it in like a badass way. He gives him the, the Vulcan greeting and yes. then says it. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I thought that was excellent. Um, yeah. And also, uh, yeah, again, to go back to the whole Spock never mentions Burnham, their rift over this thing. It seems like maybe they're not best friends, but it seems like their rift is healing. Like, it certainly yeah. seems like they're mm-hmm. not, you know, very estranged anymore. They've gone through this ordeal yeah. together. She's been in his mind. Uh, I mean, after someone being in your mind, you better be yeah. okay with each other. <laughs> A little bit, right? Like, they know things. Uh, they know all the things. So, yeah, I presume something else has to happen in order for this to to change. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, and I think when they said, 
I think it was midway through last season. And they were saying, yeah, look, we know that there is a problem here um, with a number of things, you know, between existing canon and this. By the end of the whole of Discovery, we will have solved that. We are, yeah. we are aware of it and we have a plan for it. I think really increasingly it's becoming obvious to me they are talking about the Spock um, and Burnham thing. Yeah, maybe they have yeah. to do. Maybe something happens because I don't see Michael getting erased because they're having a third season. So, oh, I think she'll be erased a few seasons in, and we'll no longer be following Burnham. I think mm-hmm. she will erase herself from from the entire timeline. Maybe as part of the thing, or yeah. maybe they do the other science fiction trope of something happens to Spock in relation to Michael, and Michael mm. needs to be wiped from Spock. Yeah, a la the Doctor and true. Clara, a la yeah. Kern and Worf, which, by the way, mm-hmm. is the best example of those. I still mm-hmm. have a difficult time watching that episode of Deep Space Nine <laughs> when they have to wipe Kern's memory of of Worf and having a family. So mm-hmm. maybe that maybe that's what happens. Like Spock never mentions her because he has no memory of her. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe something like that happens. Who knows? Yes, we shall see. I mean, it is a pretty. I just mentioned two very fairly famous versions of that happening within Star Trek and Doctor Who. So maybe they'll maybe they'll go back to it here. Uh, it's hard to say. Uh, they do seem intent on explaining it, though, uh, why he never mentions her. So I guess we'll find out, hopefully. Uh, okay, so before we do the scores, let's thank the good people over at Adam Tickets for sponsoring the show. Cinemageekly.com slash Adam Tickets or click the Adam Tickets link at the top of the page to pick yourself up some movie tickets or a gift card for the movie fan in your life. Ben, what would you give If Memory Serves? I would give If Memory Serves uh, <laughs> three and a half. I felt like instinctively it was three and three quarters, but I'm knocking a bit off because when, after a little bit of scrutiny, you do think, yeah, there really wasn't actually a lot here. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Okay, yeah. Aurora, what about you? I give it a 3.5 too. Okay. It was okay. Yeah. Uh, I went... I did go three and three quarters, Ben. So I, I'm a little sad. I'm sitting here all by myself in this little corner of the <laughs> scoring universe. Oh. I'm holding, I'm holding my, I'm holding my extra quarter of a pair of geek glasses in my hands, <laughs> all alone. Uh, I, I, a good episode. Uh, you're right. Not, not quite a bit. Not, not a lot happened. But we, we did learn that one thing. But it did sort of raise more questions than I think. Uh, really answered anything so hey but there's more episodes to go uh, so hopefully we'll get some answers Jonathan Frakes is directing this next episode mm-hmm. uh, so mm-hmm. we will see it's Star Trek Discovery season 2 uh, episode 9 it's called Project Daedalus or Daedalus Ben is it Daedalus or Daedalus I Daedalus? don't know I'm trying to find it written down D-A-E, uh, I think is Daedalus. D-A-E. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think so.